morning we are going to uh, finish our new series that we've had going here for a while called Dream Killer. This is actually number four in that series. I'd encourage you to listen to the first three. All of them are online. Today's will be online as well uh, in the next coming day or two. Say it with me. This is my Bible. Do you have your Bible this morning? If you have your Bible or your, your, your phone or whatever you use for a Bible, say this, this is my Bible. God's written living word to me. It reveals to me who God says I am and tells me what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore, I am changed. Yeah, amen. When I was in high school, I took a course called Driver's Education. Some of you did too. We wouldn't know it, but you did. Of all the things I learned in driver's ed, this one thing was indelibly printed on my my mind. I will never forget it as long as I draw breath. I use it all the time, every day when I am in my car. And this is it. Our instructor told us that the way to keep the car in the center of the lane and driving straight is not to focus on the lane, not to focus on the marks in the lane, which is very common. Most people, I think, probably do that. They watch the sides and they watch the marks in the road and they try to keep the car, you know, judging how far to the left am I, how far to the right am I. How many of you drove this week in your car and experienced your car going to the left or to the right? How many of you were in your car and you experienced somebody drifting over towards your car? I don't know about you, but my hand always reaches for the horn. I don't, I don't necessarily honk unless they just continue. My hand reaches for the horn. I get ready. You know, because you never know if somebody's going to correct it or if they're just sort of lost in what they're doing, what they're thinking about, and they keep drifting. Our instructor said, the way to keep your car going down the center is to change your focus. Never focus on the lines and the road, or just the car in front of you. Focus as far down the road as you can see, all the way to the horizon. We asked him, well, so what if there's cars in front of you and you can't see all the way down to the horizon? He said, focus as far as you can on the furthest car and the furthest distance. Well, what if you're going into a turn? You, you need to watch your turn lane so that you, you know, you need to watch the marks on the road. He said, no. He said, now trust me, try this. First, go slow, work on it. But even when you're going into a turn, keep your eyes as far down the road as you can. So instead of watching the marks in the lane and turning accordingly, look ahead. And as you're turning, keep your eyes all the way down the road, even in the turn on the horizon of the road. I practice that regularly. And you know what's amazing? No matter what's going on in the road or even in a turn, even when it feels uncomfortable because of other cars next to you, it is amazing how you, your hands, the rest of your body, will guide that car 
in the direction of what you focused on. So if you are focused on down the road, in the middle, you will steer that car beautifully in the center of the road, right down. I know what y'all are going to try this week. Yeah, you try it. And don't just try it, but practice it. And you'll get good at it. It forever changed how I drive. I think it's also kept me out of accidents. I have never had an accident on the road. When I was a teenager, I hit another car in a parking lot. And once on ice, black ice in the mountains, coming home late at night, I slid off the road. But I have never been in an accident. I think what you focus on has a lot to do with that. Now, let's turn to the Word of God and let me show you something about focus. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. We're going to begin reading in verse 51. Now, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set out resolutely to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead of him, and as they went along, they entered a Samaritan village, take note of that, to make things ready in advance for him. But the villagers refused to welcome him because he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Now when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and they went on to another village. This is Hebrews chapter 12. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who, for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, endured the cross. Most people's lives are very unfocused. Didn't get a big amen on that, but it's true. And here's the interesting thing. Your focus is what actually brings you into maturity. The reason so many of us stay immature in our Christianity is because we don't focus. Keep in mind that as the book of Genesis opens up, the account there in Genesis chapter one is that the earth was without form and void. It was empty. It was just chaotic. And the first thing God did was set it in order. He created focus, he created order. The first thing God begins to do in our life after we surrender to him is to focus us on where we're going in his kingdom. So many Christians are out of order, out of focus, chaotic, and live that way you will never perfect your faith with your life out of focus. I'm convinced the reason some of our prayers aren't answered is because we're out of focus. I believe the reason that sometimes we're not healed is because we're out of focus. I'm convinced that the reason that some of our relationships are messed up is because we're out of focus. And here's the deal. You'll find that you often have to let good things go so that you can focus on the God things that God wants you giving your attention to. 
This series is called Dream Killers. And today, we're talking about if you don't fix it, you will lose it. Say that. If I don't fix it, I will lose it. Now, I don't mean get busy with a moral list, do better, fix the things that are wrong in your life. I mean fixing your focus like driving a car. If you don't get the focus thing worked out, you'll lose so many things about your maturity in Christ, so many of the promises of God's word you will lose. Hebrews chapter 12. Again, look at this. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us. What's been distracting you from your focus? What things has God clearly put in your life? People, places, career, lifestyle? God put that there. God graced you with that. God put that desire there. God put that dream there. But there's so many distractions trying to keep you away from your focus. Paul said, look, we need to run this race with endurance. An active persistence. It takes persistence to keep your life in focus. You'll find this week when you try out my driving instructor's instructions about how to keep your car in the center of the lane, you'll find it takes persistence. You'll find that after you do it, you quickly forget to keep doing it. You'll also find that as you're doing it, some of you are going to be uncomfortable doing it and you're going to stop because you're not used to it. Because it's unusual, it's uncomfortable. Persistence is part of the Christian life. And persisting with what's in front of you and being focused with what God has given you to do is critical to growing up in Jesus and reaching your dreams. How many of you want to reach your dream? How many of you want to reach what God has placed in front of you and be successful with obtaining all that he's promised? You've got to focus. You've got to focus on what God is telling you. It's too easy to be distracted, the writer of Hebrews says. He says, looking away from all that will distract you. Did you know that what you are looking at is your choice? Let me ask you this morning, what are you looking at? This past week, what have you been looking at? What are you focused on? What are you giving your attention to? We had a awesome, probably, I don't know, two hour, two and a half hour Zoom meeting, video conference with our associate pastors this week. It was beautiful. Man, I came away from that thing, just picked up new vigor, fresh presence, awareness of God's grace. Why? Because there was this interchange of focus. What we were going to focus on as senior leadership in this church. Boy, it picked me up. Gave me more faith. Then on Friday, similarly, I had a two-hour face-to-face -face with one of our executive board members. Hmm, so great. Just explaining what's going on in the church, explaining things about finances, letting them in on the bingo thrust and what we're doing there. They were excited. They're very interesting. In fact, they want to know how it does because they want to come up and see what we're doing with it and see maybe if the Lord would have them integrated into what they're doing. But I remember driving home just, in fact, I sent a text and left a message for Nina. She was at a women's conference. She called me back. And I remember telling her, you know, it's just so great to sit with Ted and, 
and just get that perspective. Be able to bounce things off, you know, that, that spiritual wall and get your, your focus. I felt, I felt good. I felt invigorated. I felt alive. You see, what you focus on will change even your body chemistry causing you to walk in more health and what you focus on will determine the attitude that not only you start your day with but that you finish your day with. Somebody said you will fly to the altitude of your attitude. I don't know about you but some days my attitude lacks because I've gotten my focus wrong. I've gotten my focus off of what God has told me to stay focused on. How about you? Now, the writer of Hebrews here says that we are to look away from distractions. That's a choice. That's a choice I make, to look away from distractions. There are a lot of distractions out there. How many of you know? There are a lot of distractions trying to keep you and me from our dream. All day long. Call it the enemy, the flesh, stupidity, seed sown. I'm reaping what I've sown. It doesn't matter. They're distractions trying to get you off of your focus so that you won't keep your dream. Let me give you the primary three that Jesus experienced here in our text. It says that he set his face, the New King James, he set his face. The Old Testament concept was to set your face like a flint. Another concept used in the Hebrew language was that when they would be plowing with their animals, they would often put guards eye guards on the side of the face of the animal so that the animal could not look to the left or to the right. He could only look, come on somebody, straight ahead. <laughs> That's the idea here when it says Jesus was resolute and he began the journey to Jerusalem because it had become his hour. Now, on the way, on, on the journey to his, to his dream, on the journey to what he was focused on, they decided to drop in on Samaria. Does anybody remember what happened in Samaria in the Bible? Does anybody remember the story of the woman at the well? Jesus and his disciples were going through Samaria, stopped, they were thirsty, they were hungry. The disciples continued on into town to get lunch and Jesus waited at the well where a woman, a Samaritan, walked up with her water pot and she was there to get water from the well and a conversation ensued. You might remember that as a result of that conversation she went back told her family and indeed all of the whole town about her encounter with Jesus. And the Bible says that the whole town turned out for a meeting with Jesus just to come and see the man who had told this woman all about her life. And out of that experience, a great many of them then begin to follow Christ as a result. That she actually became the first New Testament evangelist. And history tells us that her and her children were indeed all evangelists as a result of that one conversation at the well. Now, all of that took place somewhere in the life and journey of Jesus, in the life and ministry of Jesus. But now... Some years later, he is headed resolutely, his focus is set to Jerusalem. And the disciples, being accustomed with that road, turned 
and went over in preparations. Jesus wasn't with them at the time, at the moment. They turned in preparations to go over to Samaritan to make some arrangements for Jesus to arrive there. Maybe stay the night, I don't know. The text isn't clear on all of that. Now in that, it says that they said, you are not welcome here. We do not want you. What happened at Samaria? Why did they go there when Jesus had his focus on Jerusalem? Because we have an affection for the old ways that always work. And so it's natural for us to turn even from our focus to what is familiar and what worked before. Dear ones, I want to tell you something. Just because a miracle happened in Samaria before doesn't mean God is calling you there now. Just because church service at Genesis used to look like this and it's familiar and it's comfortable if we will keep doing it that way doesn't mean we should keep doing it that way. I'm here to tell you next week begins a whole new season at Genesis. New musically, new in the way that we worship, the order of service, new in the way the chairs will be set up. We are not going to Samaria. Our focus is Jerusalem. Jesus said at one point during his teaching, you cannot pour new wine in old wineskins. Why? Because the old wineskins can't hold it. Some of you are out of order in your life. Because the blessing of new wine that God's given you, you've been trying to pour it in to old wineskins. Sometimes that's a relationship. Sometimes that's a career. Sometimes that could be a physical location. It could be a lot of different things, but you have to restructure for where you're going, not for where you have been. And so many Christians equate style with the move of God's Spirit. I don't know how often I've had to, you know, push back against that idea. That because we saw a miracle, because God did it this way, because God healed somebody, at this point, our Samaria, that that's the way it's always going to be. This same board member that I spent a couple hours with this week once told me, he said, Jeff, you know, you need to learn to do average well. Think about this. Every service isn't going to be swinging from the chandeliers. And just because God breaks out and we're all running around the sanctuary and having a great time and shouting his praise and people are getting healed. If you create a Samaria out of that and instead of remaining on what you should be focused on, you're always wanting to turn aside to Samaria because that's the way God did it once. You will lose your focus. You will lose your miracle and you will never get to your dream. Genesis, there's a new day that's arrived. It's not coming. It has arrived at Genesis. And I'm going to charge you with something as your pastor. We are not turning aside to Samaria because that's the way it's always been done. The Bible says that Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. So number one is Samaria. Your first distraction will always be your Samarias. Number two, the second distraction that your enemy, your mind, even well-meaning friends will use is the opinions of people. In verse 53, let me uh, go ahead and advance this slide. In verse 53 of our text, when his disciples got down to Samaria and said, Jesus is coming. He's on his way to Jerusalem. That's his focus. 
but we'd, we'd like to make a couple arrangements here. Maybe he could at least have lunch. The Bible says they did not welcome him. They refused him. They didn't want him in the city. You know, sometimes friends, family, fellow believers will often be the most unwelcoming to your dream. And that's when you have to stay focused on what God's told you to do, what God's given you to do. It doesn't matter who stays with you or not. Some of the closest. In fact, the interesting thing about Samaria is he had done such great things there and the whole city had been turned upside down with the miracle of the woman at the well at one point and now they're refusing to let him come back. How's that work? Dear ones, you've got to stay on what God has called you to and keep your focus and not rely on friends or family or the way it used to be in Samaria. Listen to this, Philippians chapter three. I could not believe this was in the Bible. I so not count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal. I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Can you believe that's in the Bible? Did you know there are people who are not going to go with you? <laughs> there are people that just, they don't, they don't put their arms around your vision. They don't put your arms around your dream, your goal. They're not going up, and that's okay. It doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make them evil. It just means you have to stay focused on what God's called you to do. And there are people called to you. Oh, you didn't hear me. Raleigh, I always pick on you when you're here, and so I just want to go ahead and go with the flow. This is a little bit of the spirit of Samaria. But brother, uh, this is Raleigh Washington and his precious wife. We got family here. This is Rachel's parents. Isn't that wonderful? They're here from Florida for the weekend and uh, probably a week, some meetings that they're doing with Coach McCartney. Coach McCartney's right-hand uh, uh, guy, former president of uh, Promise Keepers, just such a, a great heart and spirit. Mom, it's good to have you back with us. Thank you for being here today. With all the years of ministry that God has given you the privilege of doing, you too, I'm going to bet there were some times where you weren't welcomed. <laughs> and I'm also going to bet that you found there were people that were called to you and people that were just following for the miracle. And when the miracle stopped, you found out who was called to you. Somebody said, don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. <laughs> Raleigh, do you know T.D. Jakes? You ever been in his service? I heard one of the greatest messages I've ever heard on Focus from T.D. T.D. Jakes made me want to be black. I so wanted to be black. <laughs> now he continues this. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. You've got people in your life that are always wanting to change it. Always wanting to do it their way. Or because it's not like Samaria, they sure want to give you their opinion. <laughs> A 
I am not your remote control. <laughs> Did you hear what pastor preached last Sunday? <laughs> pastor, I sure wish you'd, sure wish you'd ease up. <laughs> like T.D. Jake says, I am not your remote control. Sweetheart, you're not going to sit there in that seat and click a button like you're at home flipping channels on a television. We're going to obey God. And we have a journey and we have a vision and we have a dream. And we're called to that dream. And your two biggest distractions start with Samaria and other people's opinions. So he says, now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course, headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. <sighs> Everybody's not going to, to be on the same path, Crystal, that you are in building this ministry to uh, the, the abuse. We, we have a, a better name for it. Tell me about it. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Through it all. Yeah, through it all is the support group. And, and Beyond Blessed is the name of the ministry. And it's specifically to... Anyone suffering abuse, Crystal now has a support group meeting in this church. You're going to hear more about it in a little bit. Crystal, be careful. Because everybody is not on the same path. They have other goals. They want to take other paths. And boy, will they offer you their opinion. So the scripture says, you keep track of those who are running the same course. You get around those folks. Gather around you the people that are interested in going in the direction and keeping the same goal that there's people called to you. See, some of the people that were with us in the move to this building were called to a building. They've left. Some of the people that were with us before we moved here were called to America or a miracle. Their eyes were on a miracle. But when every service isn't swinging from the chandeliers, you know, so you got you to gotta dance with the one that brought you. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's a little old, I know, for some of you. <laughs> You've never heard those things. That's an old colloquialism. You've got to dance with the one that brought you. So if it was miracles and signs and wonders and, you know, words of prophecy and laying hands on the sick and people falling out, and if, if, if that's where your head is and that's your goal and, and you've got to attend a church where that goes on in every service, bless you. Bless you. Get over there. We have that here. And we're always going to have it here, and we're going to always provide venues for it and more of the same. You're going to be hearing over the next couple of weeks exactly what we are going to be doing at Genesis going forward as we finish out this year. But I'm telling you, everybody doesn't have your same commitment. Do not tie yourself to people. Tie yourself to the dream that the Spirit of God put in your heart. And God will bring you people alongside your dream. And finally, I'm going to go back. Other people's issues. That's the third distraction. Other people's issues. What do I mean? Well, after they got down to Samaria and they were not welcomed and refused, they came back to Jesus and said, Jesus, one translation says, would you like us to call down fiery darts from heaven to burn them up? How many of you have ever felt like 
Oh, come on. <laughs> Lord, do you want us to call fire to come down out of heaven? It says Jesus rebuked him. What was happening there? Jesus' disciples were consumed with other people's issues. And dear ones, you do not have time for that. You do not have time for other people's issues, calling, dreams. Unless you're called alongside them. Fine. You need to be about and focused on the dream God's given you. You can't fix people. <laughs> and you know, part of what Jesus was saying here is, look, I've been to Samaria. We had great miracles. I gave my life. I poured myself out. I helped those I could help. And now, seems like a bunch of them don't want me back. I'm cool with that. Because... My vision, my goal, my dream is not dependent on who wants me back or who likes what I'm called to do. <laughs> I could just hear Jesus saying, if after all this time, of investing and sowing and giving and counseling and praying with and doing miracles. They're not saved. They're not one. Leave them alone. You cannot chase people. You cannot fix everybody's circumstances and situation. I'm helping somebody this morning. I'm helping somebody this morning. Because you've been being run around and it's been a distraction taking you out of your focus. Let me give you four things this morning that you can do to keep your focus. Number one, be resolute. In our text, the scripture says Jesus was resolute to go to Jerusalem. How about you this morning? Are you willing to change the order of everything in your life in order to have the new wineskin and hold the new wine? Number two, you've got to filter. You've got to filter those that you spend time with. The Bible says, look away from those distractions. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, once again from the message translation. Those of us who want everything God has for us, that's who I want around me. So if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. But right now you are walking in blurred vision. If you don't have a total commitment, the writer says, if you're not totally committed to what God has called you to and to whom God has called you to, you have blurred vision. My brother, Wally, may I see your glasses? And could, could, would you take those? Shundai. Now let me tell you what I'm seeing. <laughs> I need a miracle. Because right now I'm seeing two of you. One eye is over here. One eye is up here. Your mouth is. <laughs> you can't live with somebody else's focus. Let them go. Let them go. Filter. You, how is that, brother? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm glad you came to church today. 
I was wondering who I was going to do that with. My focus that God's put in my heart, your focus that God's given you, only works for you. And there is a small subset of people that are called alongside you to help you fulfill your focus. And those who aren't, don't worry about it. They're not bad people. They're not evil. They're just not supposed to be next to you. They're a distraction. Uh, what's the name of that rock group we went to see? Yeah. Has anybody ever heard of Government Mule? I hadn't either. One, one person. Okay. Has anybody ever heard of the Almond Brothers? The Almond Brothers Band? We'll see all kinds of people. Has anybody ever heard of Pink Floyd? Almost universal. Government Mule is a mix between the Almond Brothers and Pink Floyd. This past Friday night, I went with my associate pastor to, uh, to a concert at Red Rocks by Government Mule. I had never heard of Government Mule. We got there at about six, stood in line till, no, about, about, about quarter of six probably, 5.30, quarter of six, stood in line till uh, about 6, 6.15, and then they started letting us in. We went, we got our seat. About 6.45, the lead guitarist comes out and does an acoustical set for, oh, a half hour, 35 minutes or so. Government mule. I'm thinking, oh, that was good. That was good. He's the lead guy. Then there's a long break. Lights are shifting. Lights are going down. They're bringing out all kinds of stuff out. How many of you have been to Red Rocks? So you can identify with a lot of what I'm saying. What a venue, by the way. You must go to Red Rocks. We take every guest who comes into town to Red Rocks. We have a few favorite places. Anybody who's never been there from out of town who's a guest that stays with us, we always take them to Red Rocks. It's, it was at least one of the seven wonders of the world, by the way. It may have dropped off that list, I can't remember, but it is an amazing place just to go and see. But to go to a concert there, that's another world. It was fantastic. Now. So the lead guitarist gets down from his acoustical set and all this activity on the stage, and then the lights go out. And you know, you know what's happening. Government Mule is about to come out. Government Mule comes out, and I mean, it is rock, hard rock, southern rock, ear-splitting guitar. For a couple of hours, then they stopped. Lights go dark, dark, intermission kind of thing. Everybody's up, moving around. Pretty soon, lights go out. There's all these lasers and stuff going on. Everybody's really elevated, looking for. They've brought out more musicians, more, you know, instruments on the stage. Now they have some background vocalists. Uh, Government Mule is four guys. It's always been just four guys. It was just four guys. And the music from these four guys, I mean, they're ultra professional, ultra studio musicians, just crazy good. Now there's, there's background vocals, there's all this, there's some additional instruments, and the lights hit and the music goes. And they go into about a two, two and a half hour set of Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon only they call it dark side of the mule everything on the album just the way Pink Floyd did it 
stunning, crazy good. I crawled to the car. It was past midnight. I got home, it was about one o'clock a.m. And I realized I have just spent five hours, actually six, because we left Denver at three, got some dinner, then went up to Red Rocks. I've just spent nine hours of my life giving my time to my associate pastor, her husband, Chad, for a rock group I had never heard of. And I don't own any of Pink Floyd's albums, didn't really like them. You know. Five hours of ear-splitting music. And by the way, they don't play a song and then stop, talk a little bit, intro, play another song, mix it up. You know, they don't entertain that way. They go from song into song into song. And if you've ever heard Pink Floyd's album, Dark Side of the Moon, I mean, that's how it is. And some of these songs are like 20 minutes long, 30 minutes long. And I'm thinking to myself, this is amazing that I would be called alongside somebody in their dream, their gift, their love, and give nine hours of my day, my life, to somebody. And it wasn't even so much about the music. It was about giving my life to somebody I'm called alongside and who's called alongside me. On our way up there, there was this utility lift. Now these are those scissor things, you know, that have a scissor and, and they elect, you push the button and the scissor unfolds layer by layer and then on top there's a bucket. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I think it's called a utility lift. Uh, smaller versions of it will allow you to scissor up in a bucket to change lights in, you know, the tall ceilings or foyers or whatever of commercial buildings. Very common, very... We were driving up there and looked at one and there was one on the side of the road and I said, boy, that'd be handy at the church, wouldn't it? He said, yeah, they really are handy. Have you ever been in one? I said, no. He said, well, the interesting thing about those utility trucks is that they'll get you up there, but boy, when you're in that bucket, it sways. And he says, a lot of people can't get in it because it, it upsets their stomach. And they get in fear because they think that that little bit of swaying that they're feeling in the bucket means that it's unstable on the ground. When in fact, what's on the ground is perfectly secure, perfectly stable, but because of your elevation. Could I say to you, everybody's not meant to be in the bucket with you at your elevation. And just because they have some opinion about your dream, some opinion about what you teach, some opinion about this or that that's going on in your life, doesn't mean what's on the ground is unstable. They're just not meant to be in the truck. They're not meant to be in the basket at that elevation. They'd be more comfortable being a couple of feet more down or, or maybe just surrounding the truck with prayer. They're not meant to go up. <laughs> Have you ever felt like God's called you along somebody and, and you can't go there, you can't go up in the bucket, you're just gonna stay around the bottom of the, of the thing and pray? Well, we welcome those too. But over the next six weeks, starting on Sunday, I'm going to begin to describe to you a bucket that God's taking us up in the air. And so you've got to filter who you're going to spend time with. Number three, did I say five or four? I did say four things, right? There are four, not five. Be resolute, filter who you're spending time with. And number three, meditate on God's word. Listen to this, Psalm 63, six. 
When I remember you on my bed, I meditate and thoughtfully focus on you in the night watches. It's so easy for me to fall asleep because the last part of my day is I just start thinking about the Word of God. When I wake up in the middle of the night, what I often will do is pull out my phone, turn to the podcast of somebody like a Stephen Furtick or T.D. Jakes or Creflo Dollar. I'll put it on, start playing it, and I put it under my pillow. And I lay there and I just fall back asleep. Because I'm used to meditating even in the night watches. Psalm 119, make me understand the way of your precepts so that I will meditate or focus my thoughts on your wonderful works. Isn't that good? There's a way you can command your thought life to come in line with your dream and keep your focus even at night when you're in bed. And finally, number four, You've got to trust your dream completely to God. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect and constant peace, the one whose mind is steadfast, that is, committed, there's that word again, and focused on you because he trusts and takes refuge in you. Are you trusting your dream to man Or are you trusting your dream to the one who put it in your heart in the first place? Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. There's that word again. Persistent. You're not going to try. Listen, dear ones. If you're just trying to focus, when you go out this week and you put into practice what I told you about in keeping your car in the middle of the road, remember what we started our message with? If you're not persistent with that, if you just try it, I guarantee you, it will not benefit you. You've got to be persistent and develop a trust in the principle that was given by the one in authority who knew better than all of us young teenagers sitting in that class learning how to drive. If you want to make it to your dream, if you want to make it to all that God has promised you, you've got to focus even in your prayer life. You're not supposed to pray about everything. You're not supposed to pray about everything. You're not supposed to pray about everyone. And you're sure not supposed to try to fix everybody. You stay focused on what God called you to. And you stay focused on the people that God called around you. You spend your time praying for them. Now if you have a ministry like Raleigh and his wife over here. Called to the the nation of Israel. Well you're going to be praying for people you've never met. But you understand what I'm saying here. Let's stand to our feet.